We're so happy that you're here on this Sunday morning. And you see this big sign behind me that says 52. I asked, we, we asked Chris Johnston to, to, I said, I'd like, you know, kind of a large sign that says 52. Uh, I think he came through on that. Uh, you, you can see that. It says rise and build at the bottom. What that's all about, in case you haven't been here uh, this year, uh, we're taking 52 Sundays to rebuild some spiritual walls in this house, reinforce, and uh, we're just believing God to, to bring that about. You know, the church is more than just an organization. It's an organism. It's a live being. It's part of, it, we're part of the body of Christ, and uh, the spiritual aspect is so important. And this first quarter, and we're wrapping that up this month, the first quarter of this year, we're rebuilding the wall of prayer. And we're emphasizing prayer. In fact, I've preached the whole month of March, and one more Sunday I'll devote the entire month of March to prayer. First Sunday of March, I talked to you about why we should pray, why we should pray. And um, that's to fellowship and commune with our Heavenly Father. The reason Jesus prayed was, remember that prayer in Gethsemane? Lord, not my will, but your will be done. One of the main purposes of prayer is so that we can invite God and give him permission in the area of our dominion. In other words, where we have a choice to make, we back off and say, Lord, we recognize you and we give you authority in that area. And we, wanna, we want the grace and the courage and the strength to choose your will and not not our will but when you choose God's will I can promise you it's the best thing for you uh, God did not ask you to follow him so he could make your life miserable in fact it's right the opposite Jesus said in John 10 10 it's the thief that comes to steal kill and destroy but I have come that you might have a life and that you might have it more abundantly and so Jesus comes to give us life and and to make your life better this book right here is a manual for living. And if you'll follow this manual, your life will be better, more productive, more uh, in every way, more blessed. God will give you favor. And on top of that, it'll bring you eternal life. Wow. You can't beat a deal like that, can you? Amen. So we want to follow him. And prayer is so important. We can't overemphasize it. However, I, I read an article one time that says prayer is the most talked about thing in the church and the least practiced of anything that we talk about. We wanted to change that. Let's not just talk about it. Let's practice it. And it's so important. You have no idea. When we talk, when we talk about prayer, we're talking about the most powerful key and tool that you have in the kingdom of God. You have it at your disposal, all of you. Remember James told us about a man called Elijah? He said he's just like us, just, just people, just a man like everybody else. But he prayed that it might not rain. He, could, he shut the windows of heaven for three years and six months, brought a drought in the country to cause them to turn to God, recognize where their good strength came from, and then prayed at the end of that that the heavens would give rain as a witness and a testimony that God answers prayer. And God did a mighty work because of his prayer. Your prayer is so important, so valuable, and so powerful. Uh, first Sunday, we talked about why to pray. Second Sunday, which was last Sunday, we talked about when to pray. 
We discovered that it's okay to pray anytime and all the time. In fact, um, one scripture says to pray without ceasing. In other words, that means to maintain an attitude of prayer. You can pray any time of day, night, whenever. But a strategic and important time to pray is at the beginning of your day because you're putting God first. You're saying, Lord, I want you. And uh, we also, a lot, of, a lot of details that I won't go into now, but it's when the angels get their assignment in the morning to watch over you. And so, so important that you go to prayer at that time. This morning and next Sunday, I'll take two Sundays for this topic. I want to talk to you about how to pray. The reason I'm taking so much time on that, I think it would be foolish for me to tell you why to pray, when to pray, and I'll tell you how to pray. So we're going we're gonna to look at how to pray. My text is found in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 13. I'm going to do something different this morning. I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of my text, and I want you to read my text with me. They're going to put it on the screens. Actually, you'll recognize it right off. It's the Lord's Prayer. We're going to use the one from Matthew 6. It's mentioned more than once in the New Testament. But this is the one we're going to use. And I'm going to use the old version because that's the one most people are familiar with. So I'm going to ask you to read with me out loud right after I say, After this manner pray ye, let's read together. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespass, our debtors, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I apologize for that debt debtor. That's what the King James says. And when I was in school, we said trespasses so much till I'm trying to say debtor and trespasses is coming out. That's how important it is to teach your kids. And what you might find it hard to believe is we did the Lord's Prayer every morning in public school. In public school. Amen. And we serve a God that's big enough if the church would arise all over this nation and do its part, we could bring this nation back to where. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Turn to your neighbor and say, we've prayed the Lord's Prayer. You may be seated. I want to tell you why we prayed the Lord's Prayer. My, my, I've, I've got to, believe it or not, I preached a long message last Sunday morning. I'm going to try to kind of balance it off with a shorter message. I've just got three points, and I'll go through them quite rapidly. The first one is presentation. How, what do we present when we pray? And that's the reason I had you to read the Lord's Prayer with me. In Luke chapter 11, that's the other place in the New Testament where the Lord's Prayer is found. Verses 1 and the first part of 2, I want you to look at this. Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place, talking about Jesus, when he had ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. So he said, look at this last line, when you pray say our father which art in heaven he goes on into the lord's prayer uh, that 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 last little phrase when you pray say our father which art in heaven now if you've been here a long time perhaps you've heard me in times past go through the lord's prayer as an outline 
to help you in your prayer and to expand in your praying. And we'll look at some of that next week, and, uh, and, and I'll, I'll give that to you. Years ago, a man by the name of Larry Lee wrote a book on why could you not tarry one hour. And in it, he showed the, the use of the Lord's Prayer as a skeleton, which will make, if you follow the outline, it makes praying, you can pray an hour with ease, just following that outline. And, uh, and it's be simple. However, I want you to understand that as important as it is in using it as an outline and adding things to it and, and, and expanding on it, don't forget that it's also important just to plain old pray it word for word just like it is in the Bible. That's why Jesus said, when you pray, say, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It just, Jesus said, just, just say that. Pray that word for word, just like I'm giving it to you. Let me, let me tell you the benefit of that. It, it encom- the Lord's Prayer encompasses so much. In fact, uh, I could preach on the Lord's Prayer for the next two hours and not exhaust it. I could preach on it for the next two weeks and not exhaust it. it, it it's amazing what is encompassed in that Lord's Prayer. And yet the fact is you don't have to understand all of it theologically and be able to do an exegesis on it or understand all of the homiletics of it and all of those things. You don't have to understand that to pray it. In, in fact, one, one of these children, the age of, of a couple of these that we baptized this morning, they can say the Lord's Prayer. They're not old enough yet to understand all about the kingdom of God, but they can still pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Without understanding the dynamics or the magnitude of it, they can still pray it. And guess what? Our Heavenly Father hears that prayer and answers that prayer. Amen? So good things can happen. Give Him praise. He's worthy. So one of the things you ought to do is when you pray, just Pray the Lord's Prayer. He gave it to us. Let's use it for His glory. Just say it. And uh, say it often. Uh, The first thing I pray in the morning is, uh, of course, I make it personal. I say, My Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And I pray the Lord's Prayer first thing every morning. That's, That's the first thing that comes out of my lips. And then later I expand on it, as I'll show you next Sunday morning. But uh, the second thing I want you to notice is the preparation in prayer. It's important if you want to be effective in prayer that you prepare to pray. In other words, there's some things, if you're going to get your prayer answered, and by the way, I don't see any need to pray if you don't feel like you're going to get an answer to prayer. Do you? I mean, that's the purpose in praying is, is so that you can connect with God. Well, there's some things that you're going to have to do, and I think it's so important that you get the hindrances out of the way right off the bat. So, so let's, let's look and say, because you see Jesus surrounding the Lord's Prayer, if you read it in context, if you read the Scriptures before it and the Scriptures after it, you'll find out that Jesus gave instructions regarding the Lord's Prayer. He didn't just give it to us. He started off. Let me back up. We started reading a while ago at verse 6. Let's back up to verse 5 and and read there through 7. And I want you to notice this little phrase, when you pray. Say that with me. When you pray. 
It, Jesus said that three times, so let's look at it. Here's what he said. And when you pray, by the way, let me stop here. And he, he didn't say, and if you pray. You notice that? Jesus just assumed that you're, if, if you're a follower of Christ, that you're going to pray. That's an assumption. He didn't say, if you pray. He said, when you pray. First instruction. You shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the street, that they may be seen of men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But, look at verse 6. When you pray, go into your room, and when you've shut the door, pray to your Father who's in, secret, in a secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Look at verse 7. It says it again. And when you pray... Do not use vain repetition as the heathen do, for they think they'll be heard for their many words. Okay? Three things that Jesus said about prayer. You need to understand this as you prepare to pray. He said, first of all, when you pray, make it private. This is between you and God. This is not for show. This is not to let everybody hear how eloquent you are with your words. Now, there was a lot of problems with that in Jesus' day. At the synagogue and over at the temple, a lot of times, especially the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and sometimes even the scribes and the elders, would, um, would make these long prayers. And they would do it so everybody could hear how eloquent they were in their prayers. Or they could think that they were kind of super spiritual because they prayed a long prayer. <laughs> Jesus said, oh, don't do that. When you pray, when you pray, the first thing you do, just make it private. Just make it private. Don't, 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 don't try to make a show out of it. Remember one time Jesus was in the synagogue and, and he referred to a guy that's praying. There's a Pharisee over here and he was praying. A Pharisee's just praying along and he glanced out and he saw way on the other side of the building, he saw an old publican. I didn't say Republican. <laughs> but... By the way, when I was a boy, we had a, a blind um, evangelist that came to our church, and he preached a whole sermon on that story in the Bible, and he called him Republican every time. He said, that old Republican, and he just kept on and on and on about that old Republican. And uh, he, he um, um, I don't know what that has to do with anything, but that's what he did. <laughs> this, this, is a, this is a publican. The old publican over there, he didn't even—he couldn't even—he couldn't even lift up his head. He was just kind of bent over, and uh, he was praying. And so the Pharisee prays and said, and, "And Father, I thank you that I'm not like this this old um, Republican over here. <laughs> this uh, old publican over here. I'm, I'm glad I'm not like him, Lord." Uh, and then he goes on to talk about how good he is. And how, Jesus said, that, "That's not what prayer is about." That's not what prayer is about. Now, that also should give us all comfort and courage to know that God is not interested in how eloquent your speech is when you pray. And by the way, if we, if we go back to this old publican over here that was praying, Jesus said all, all he did is just cried out, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said, your heavenly Father paid more attention to that guy in fact he went home with his request answered and this guy just went home as a proud arrogant um, uh, super spiritual uh, hope to be saint 
And, uh, and, 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 and that's the difference. You, you don't have... People sometimes say, I don't know how to pray. You don't have to know how to put the words together. You don't have to know how to do flowery speak. You know what God's interested in when you pray? He's interesting, interested in you vocalizing what's right down here in your heart. Amen. Just bring that out to the Lord. Make it private. God will listen, and God will honor you for that. Second thing, he said, make it personal. Make it personal. It's just you and God. It's not everybody else. It's between you and God. That's what prayer is. It's a conversation between you and God. And then finally, Jesus said, make it precise. He said, don't be like these hypocrites that go through all this vain repetition. They just go through all this long list of stuff over and over and over again. He said, no, 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 no. If you want to bring your needs before God, make, be precise about it. Just tell God specifically what it is you want. And in fact, when we look closer at the Lord's Prayer next Sunday, we'll see how precise Jesus was. I mean, give us this day our daily bread. I mean, get specific with God about what you want and need in prayer. <laughs> I'm already to my third and final point, and it's not even 12 o'clock. <laughs> if I let you go now, you'll never get a seat at the restaurant. All of the Baptists will beat you there. They're getting out right now. So, so I'll take a few minutes on this third point, and that's I want to talk to you about the posture when you pray. Now, in looking at the definition of the word posture in the in the Webster's dictionary, it's not just physical posture. Um, and and I'm going to key in on the the attitude side of posture. You know, you can, there's a posture that you have in your attitude and, and in your spirit as well as a bodily posture. By the way, on bodily posture, it doesn't matter. Some, some people say you ought to kneel when you pray. If you want to kneel and pray, there's nothing in the world wrong with that. And if you're more comfortable with that, kneel and pray. That's fine. But it's also okay to sit down and talk to God. Did you know that? You can pray in your chair. Uh, it's okay to stand and pray. It's okay to lift your hands and pray. Let me tell you my favorite way of praying. And this may be strange to some of you, and, and maybe it won't so much to others. I love to walk and pray. And there's a reason that I like to walk and pray. I discovered a long time ago that if I'm walking and praying, it's much harder to go to sleep while I'm praying. And I also learned a long time ago that if you're having trouble going to sleep, if you'll start praying, the devil will leave you alone and let you go to sleep. In fact, he'll try to help you go to sleep. So I love, I, I'm comfortable doing that. If, if you're not, that's okay. I understand. But I love to just walk and pray. I just love to, to, to walk. Like I said, not only does it keep you awake, but the longer you walk and the more, more you walk, your blood gets to flowing and circulating, and, boy, you really get awake. It, it revives your whole being. And so I just, I just love to walk and pray. I, I love, years ago, I used to walk this parking lot every morning. Now I walk around inside of here early, early in the morning. And uh, when the weather finally figures out what it's going to do, I may go back to the parking lot again. But right now I'm afraid that I'd get halfway up there and it's no, you know, you just, you, you, you know, you don't know what's going to happen around here. But, but, uh, but I, I, the 
posture. I'm not talking about physical posture. It, it just doesn't matter. You pray however you're comfortable to pray. Whatever position that, that you want to get in and pray, you, you, just, you just be comfortable with that. But I'm talking about the, the attitude that you have. First thing I want you to understand, according to the Scripture, when you pray, it, again, if you want your prayer to be effective, the first thing you need to do when you get ready to pray, you need to be ready to forgive. You need to be ready to forgive. Let me give you Scripture for that. Matthew 6. By the way, by the way, we read the Lord's Prayer. Remember a while ago we got to the end of it. It says, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Do you know what the next words out of the lips of Jesus were? It were words that tied to that. You can't even read the Lord's Prayer if you do it justice without t- Look at the next, the next, very next verse. It says, for if, it, isn't that connected to the sentence before? For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive, also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Jesus said, pray, when you pray, say, our Father which art in heaven, thine is the king of the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive, man, forgiveness is so tight. In other words, the 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 Lord's Prayer is not going to be effective unless you come with an attitude of forgiveness. Now, why is that so important? Our Heavenly Father so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And Jesus so loved the world that He gave His life in the horrendous crucifixion on Calvary so that you and I could be forgiven. And when we came to God and repented of our sins and confessed Him, Lord, do you know how much He forgave us? He forgave us for everything. He forgave all of our sins. Not, not, not just some of them. God didn't say, oh, come to me and, uh, and, and I'll forgive the worst ones. But you're going to have to work on the rest of it. No, 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 no. When he forgave, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from how, many, how much sin? All sin. Now, here's the thing. Your heavenly Father, my heavenly Father, is not about to forgive us for everything and then allow us to walk out here and hold unforgiveness toward anyone. That's a no-no. You cannot do that. You can't do it. God, for Christ's sake, forgave you and me for all of our sins. And we must, if we want our prayers to be heard, we must forgive. It's in the Lord's Prayer, and then it's after the Lord's Prayer. Remember, in the Lord's Prayer, it says, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And then Jesus re-emphasized it after we said amen and said, you've got to forgive if you're expecting God to forgive you. It, it works that way. Forgiveness is vitally important. In fact, it is a must. I won't take time now, but I would encourage you to read the 18th chapter of Matthew when you get home, especially that last long parable that he tells. He tells about a man that, uh, that was forgiven of a huge debt. And then he found a fellow servant that owed a small debt. 
and he wouldn't forgive him. And Jesus said that the Lord of that servant was very upset with him, cast him into prison until he should, and, and turned him over to tormentors until he should pay all of that debt. Then Jesus made this statement, So shall my heavenly Father do to you if you from your heart does not forgive everybody, everyone, their offense. You, you got to forgive. You got to forgive. What happens when there's unforgiveness? Jesus said the Father just backs off his protection and tormenting spirits have a right to torment your life. There's some of you under the sound of my voice this morning that probably you're puzzled as to why there's tormenting spirits that bother you. Check your heart and make sure that you're not harboring unforgiveness. I mean, forgive everybody, everybody. Now, sometimes that's the simplest thing in the world to do. Sometimes that's just as easy as praying the Lord's Prayer and saying, Lord, I forgive and I receive your forgiveness. And that's done. There are other times, and there are some of you that may have experienced times like this, when someone has wounded you so deeply and hurt you and taken advantage of you and done you so wrong that you're having trouble forgiving. I know what that's like. I've had my own wrestling matches in life with that deal of unforgiveness. But I want to tell you, there's nothing in this world worth holding unforgiveness in your heart against anybody. Against anybody. In fact, when you do that, it's, somebody has described it like this. It's like drinking poison and hoping that the person you don't like dies from the poison. You, Jesus, even, uh, and the scripture even says in one place that when, when you don't forgive somebody else those sins, they're retained. You know where they're retained? They're retained in you until you release them and let them go. You, you got to do it. Whatever you have to do, whatever you have to do, whatever you have to do. I've had times when I've had to fast and pray to get to the point that I could forgive because I felt like somebody had done me so much damage that, that, that I, I just struggled with it. Some, I've, I've, actually had, I've actually had some times that God's had to deal with me when there was unforgiveness that I didn't even know was there. And I've told you the story many times. I don't want to go into a lot of detail, but years ago there was a guy that harassed us for about three months before we, uh, the authorities finally caught him and stopped him and he threatened constantly to kill my son and called us uh, 24 hours a day. Every time we'd hang up the phone, we'd, he'd ring it again and, and he'd tell us all the horrible things he was going to do. And, and he tried to set fire to our church downtown. He did set a delayed fire. Fortunately, we caught it before it burned the church down. And, and uh, <laughs> wrote wrote across big letters across one of our, our church buses. We were running bus ministry in those days. Wrote across the Reverend Bowen is a hypocrite in big letters. Boy, that'll make you feel good on Sunday morning when you drive up to the parking lot and see that. And, and uh, had a big sign at the front door of the church and telling everybody. And, and, then, and then when we finally found out who he was, the sheriff told me I needed to get my son out of, out of town because we didn't know what this guy was capable of doing. So I had to send him to another town. Mom had to take him to another city uh, and, and get ready for school. School was about to start. It was in the month of August. And this guy started coming to church after we found out who he was. 
And he'd come in church, sometimes carrying a paper bag, many times carrying something in his pocket that looked like a gun. And we had, and the and the sheriff told me said your ch- your child cannot come to church. It's dangerous. He could, but this guy had to be allowed to come to church because he hadn't done anything yet, and so we couldn't forbid him to come to church. Now, that started building up in my heart. I, I have to admit that. And uh, I was I was praying one day and uh, feeling real religious. I said, God, I forgive. I, I even forgive, and I called this guy's name. And the Holy Spirit just like that stopped me and said. Uh, Ask me to forgive him. And I, I, I said, uh, I said, Lord, I want you to, Lord, I want you to fry him. I don't want you to, fr- I, don't, I don't want you to forgive him. I said, God, the only reason I've been willing to forgive him is because I know you're going to get him into judgment. And so I've been able to release it because I know you got it under control. You're going to get him at judgment. He's not going to get by with this. I don't want you to forgive him. I want you to fry him. And, uh, and the Lord said, you got unforgiveness. And it took me a while. But I can tell you, folks, I remember the day. I remember the day when it finally broke, when, I, when it was more than words, when it came from my heart. Finally, the, the Holy Spirit helped me to realize that, that that guy was somebody's son, too. And there was some parents over there that were hurting. They didn't want their son to be like that. They didn't want him harassing people. We weren't the only people he was harassing, we found out later. They, they, didn't, they didn't want that. And he needed help big time. And I remember the day that it broke, and I was praying, and I said, Lord, I want you to forgive him. I want you to save him, Lord. He's lost. He's going to hell if he doesn't change. I want you to forgive him. Jesus died, and God, you forgave me for everything. And I want you to forgive him. I want you to set him free, Lord. And I want you to deliver him. And I was able to weep and intercede from him. And let me tell you something. The day that I did that, it rolled off of my shoulders like a hundred pound weight. And it was gone. And I had freedom like I hadn't had in a long, long time. And I tell you, a year later, somebody asked me, said, what was that guy's name that, you, that harassed your son? And honestly, I couldn't even remember his name. I had to go look it up. Before that, I could have told you his name, his age, his serial number. I, I, I could have told you his criminal record. I could have told you everything about him. But God just took that. Listen, it's worth, that unforgiveness will eat you alive. That unforgiveness will eat you alive. It's a cancer to your spirit. Get rid of it. There's such free. I wouldn't go back for anything in the world. And I can tell you this morning, I can pray for him and mean it from my heart and bless him in the name of Jesus. Amen? So forgive. If you want your prayers answered, forgive. That's what, that's what Jesus said. So it's so important that, that you forgive. Now, don't, don't, don't shout me down. I know this is not easy stuff that I'm talking about here. If you think that one's tough, let me. <laughs> the second thing, you need to be at peace with everybody. Men, I want you to listen up. First Peter 3, 7. In the same, I'm reading from the Amplified because I need some help on this one. In the same way you husbands live with your wives in an understanding way, with great gentleness and tact and with an intelligent regard for the marriage relationship, as with someone physically weaker since she is a woman, show her honor and respect as a fellow heir of the grace of life. Look at this. 
so that your prayers will not be hindered and ineffective. Guys, if you want God to hear you when you pray, you got to treat your wife like you're supposed to. Amen? Boy, that was weak. Uh, ladies, if your husbands get their prayers answered, they got to treat you good. Can you say amen? amen. Oh, that's better. But, I th- <laughs> but listen, and I, I don't have time to go into all the connecting scriptures, but, but the fact is, this is just one example. It's talking about your whole household, your whole family uh, as well. It, it can be expanded. If, if, you, if you're going to be effective in prayer, you pray and you ought to te- tre- treat your children right. You ought to treat your mother and daddy right. You ought to treat your brothers and sisters right. Ladies, if you want your prayers answered, you need to treat your husbands right. Husbands, say amen. Hey, you did better that time, man. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, God says, if you want me to work on these things that you can't do in your own strength, then you need to take care of that stuff that you can do something about. And you can do something about that. Now, I'm telling you guys, smartest thing you ever did was learn two words, use them. They'll make you effective in your prayer life, and they'll help you in your marriage, and they'll make life go better. I'm sorry. Those, those two words. I've got it good. You can wake me up in the middle of the night, and I can say, I'm sorry. I don't even have to know what I've done. Sometimes I don't know. I just, I'm sorry. I'm, you know. That, that, that will help you to get, those, get that down good. Get that down good. But seriously, the Word of God says that if we're not, if we're not careful in our relationship with each other, and if we're abusive, and if we run over the top of, and we're not considerate, and we're not concerned, especially those who are closest to us, then it will affect us in our relationship with God. So, again, the posture, let, let, let's just get that taken care of. Just get it taken care of. Just determine that, uh, that you're going to be in one mind and one accord there and in, in harmony of that. And then third and finally, ask in faith. If you're going to be effective in your prayer life, you might as well realize that you're going to have to learn to ask in faith. Look what James said in the first chapter of his epistle, verses 6 to 8. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he'll receive anything from the Lord. He's double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. It will, it's an exercise in futility for you to pray if you don't pray in faith. And I'm going to take an extended amount of time after a while, not, not right real soon. I've been working on this for a couple months. But we've got, to, we've got to learn the value of faith and what faith is and how faith works so that it will work for us. Many, many, many times in the Scriptures, Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. Go in faith. Your, your prayers are answered because you've asked in faith. And the problem I found, find with a lot of Christian people is we pray in hope instead of in faith. Hope is good and hope is important, but hope is not faith. 
They're not synonymous. They're two different things. Hope is always future tense. And a lot, a lot of what people call faith is really hope. It's all future tense. You, you, you ask, you pray, somebody wants you to agree with them in prayer, and you say, do you believe God's going to Well, I, yeah, I, I, believe, I believe that, that God's going to do something out there sometime, someday, somewhere. No, 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 that's hope. If it's future, it's hope. Now faith is. Faith is right now. Faith is believing that what God said in this word is true. And what I, what I suggest you do if you're having trouble in the faith realm when it comes to your prayer life, then stop praying and get in the Word. I don't mean stop praying in, in everything, but I'm talking about that specific area. Stop praying in that area. Get in the Word until the Word gets in your spirit and you can believe it. Because here's what James is saying that it's like. When, when we pray in doubt and unbelief, when we come to God, let, let's say in the, in, in the realm of healing, for example, we come to God and we say, oh, Lord, uh, uh, Aunt, Aunt Martha's sick. And, Lord, I, I pray that you'll heal her. If it, if it be your will, Lord, I'd like for you to, uh, listen, if it be your will, you're saying to God, Lord, I don't even know whether it's your will to heal or not. And, and my goodness alive, the scriptures are full. Get in the Bible and get all the healing scriptures you can get a hold of and read them until you believe them. Read them until they get in your spirit. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. <laughs> Glory to God. Do you think Jesus took those 39 stripes on his back so that you could come to him sick? And he said, I know you're sick, but I, it's just, I, I'm just not really willing to do that right now. That makes about as much sense as Jesus dying on the cross to save your soul. And you come and ask him to forgive you of your sins. And he said, I, I, maybe next week I'll forgive you for your sin. No, 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 no. He's more anxious to meet your need than you are to have your need met. Get this in your spirit, not in your head, in your heart, until you can believe it. That's when faith acts. Faith takes God. Faith says to God, I believe what you said. Even the part I don't understand, even the gray areas that are giving me trouble, I still, God, if you said it, I believe it, and I'm going to stand on it, and I'm going to confess it, and I'm going to declare it, and I'm going to say it so because you said it so. Praise God. Somebody give God some praise for His Word. Glory to God. Ask in faith. Because when you don't, you're praying one thing and saying, God, I'm asking you for this, but I don't really know if your word is true or not. And James said that's double-mindedness, and that's instability. And let not that man think that he'll get anything from the Lord. In other words, your prayer, those prayers are wasted. They're not going to work. Get in faith. Come in faith. Believe God. You can trust God, folks. You can trust him. You can trust. Stand with me, please. Praise the Lord. You know, we are blessed to live in America. We are. We're blessed to be in a nation. Now, I know that there's a lot of forces that are trying to change that. In fact, I saw the other day in a news report 
where police were in this home investigating a situation and uh, a lady knelt down to pray and the police told her to get up that she wasn't allowed to pray in her home if she wanted to pray she'd have to go to a church not not in this america no 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 that that's not that's not right the constitution protects the free exercise of our amen I can pray at the house. I can pray at the church. I can pray walking up and down the sidewalk. I can pray on Main Street, Broad Street, Walton Way, anywhere else. Amen. Praise God. But our nation, we're blessed because we're in a nation that was founded on prayer and the Word of God. I mean, I was just in preparing this week, I was, I was just thinking about what a godly heritage we have. And how many of you have seen that? picture of uh, George Washington kneeling beside his horse you know that valley's forward today in fact brother Mike Clare's got a big picture of that in his office and I, I love to glance at that every once in a while I think there's there's the guy that we call the father of our country there's our first president on his knees praying I read a story this week that I, I had not uh, run across before it's a true story that that during that time when America was trying to obtain um, its freedom and become an independent nation, George Washington was praying, and there was an old farmer that lived near where he was, and he was out in the woods, and he heard a voice, a distinctive voice, and he started following that voice until he came upon George, and he tried to go real quiet and so he wouldn't disturb him, but, but he got behind a tree where he could look right into the face of George Washington. He was on his knees praying, and he said his face was bathed in tears as he cried out to God for the people of this country, of this land. And the, the, the farmer went home and told his wife, his wife had been questioned, do you think it'll happen, or will we win this revolution, or will we lose? He went home and told his wife, he said, honey, it's okay. We'll be successful. She said, how do you know? He said, I saw George Washington, and I saw him crying out to God. said, that man will be successful in carrying out what God has called him to do. Amen. You say, well, preach, that was a long time ago. Yes, it was. But I want to tell you, if you'll study the history of this nation, you'll find prayer all the way through the fiber. In fact, I was reading a story of a salesman that um, back in the 1920s that he came to a hotel late at night and he asked for a room and they they told him, we're full up. There's no vacancy. We don't have another room. And there wasn't another motel or hotel close. And he said, oh, my goodness, I, I really need a room. I'm, I'm really tired. I just don't think I can travel any, any longer. And there was a distinguished-looking man that was sitting there in the lobby reading. And he overheard this salesman. And, and so he stood up and went over to him and said, sir, I don't, I don't know you, but I, I hear the problem you've got. I have a room here tonight it's got it's got two beds in it and uh, if you'd like to share my room i uh, i'll i'll be glad to help you out 
And so he said, well, man, I, I really thank you. That would be a really blessing. And so they went to the room, and as this distinguished-looking gentleman got ready to, for bed, he got down on his knees beside his bread, bed, and he started praying. And in his prayer, he prayed for the salesman that he just met. And the next morning when they awakened, he said to this salesman, he said, uh, before you go, said, I have a habit. I, I pray every morning, and uh, I wonder if you'd like to join me in prayer. And the man said, I, I don't know how to pray. And so he led him to the Lord, gave him the plan of salvation. And he gave his heart and life to Jesus, and he knelt with him and prayed. They had prayer there together. And the guy got up saying, thank you so much. And he said, you know, I don't know if our paths will ever cross again, if we'll ever meet again. Could we just exchange business cards? And, uh, and that way we can pray for one another in the future. And so they exchanged business cards. And that salesman was shocked when he looked at the card. And the name on the card was William Jennings Bryan, Secretary of State, United States of America. He was Secretary of State's un State under Woodrow Wilson. You know, one of our sites here in Augusta is the boyhood home of Woodrow Wilson. That was in the 1920s. You know, we've had, we've had godly leaders in government throughout the history of this nation. Friday's the day that I really focus in my prayer on government. And I pray every Friday, oh God, raise up men and women who love God and who will honor your word and place them in our government. Place them in our government. We need it. I believe that if the church will be the church all over this nation, and if we will rebuild the wall of prayer, we can have one nation under God with a revival that will sweep from shore to shore. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I'm going to invite you to pray. And I'm going to do it a little different this morning. I know that it may be hard for everybody to get here. Thank the Lord for a good crowd today. But, uh, but I'm not going to ask the prayer leaders to, to come and stand in front of you. I will ask them to kind of remain at the end if there's anybody that wants special prayer for anything. But I'd like for everybody in this building today that would like to take just a few minutes before you go to just pray. To just come forward as close as you can. If you want to kneel here, it's fine. Or if you want to just stand here. But just take a few minutes and say, Lord, I, I want to rebuild that wall of prayer in my life. I want to rebuild that wall of prayer in my home. One of my, one of my most treasured, valued memories of my growing up days. I was embarrassed when Daddy would do it. But when, I've, when I'd have friends over to ride with us to school in the morning... My dad would always get his Bible and read and pray before we left the house. And some of those guys that I was embarrassed for my daddy to pray in front of received Jesus as their Savior. And they became some of my best buddies in school and helped me in my own Christian walk. So just come on as close as you can. Everybody that will, just, just, uh, we're just going to take a few minutes before we leave this morning just to talk to God just to pray just in your own words if you can't get here you may want to pray there at your seat remember it doesn't matter about the physical posture of your body you may want to stand you may want to sit down you you may want to kneel whatever you're comfortable with but let's just take a few minutes to pray just you and god 
Don't, don't, don't worry about a soul around you this morning. Just you and God. And tell God specifically what's on your heart. Tell him what's on your heart this morning. Father, we thank you. Lord, I thank you for this congregation of people. I thank you for every man, woman, boy, and girl in this house today. And especially right now as we come before you, before your presence. We enter your presence with thanksgiving. We come into your courts with praise. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. And Father, there are needs here today. I pray for those who are unsaved that they'll just give their heart to Jesus right now. Wherever they may be standing or sitting, that they'll just say, Lord, come into my heart today. I pray for any that have wandered away from you that they'll come home today. Receive them back, O oh Lord, we pray, and renew the fellowship of your Holy Spirit in their lives. I pray for people today who are struggling with sickness and physical problems. I pray, God, that you'll touch them right now. Let your healing virtue flow across this building. From one side to the other, oh God, I pray for the healing power of Jesus to touch every physical need in this place. Lord, I pray for financial needs. I pray, Lord, for homes that relations are broken and needs are, are there. I pray that you'll touch and bless. I pray for people who need employment or need help on the job or are struggling in their family, wherever they are, whatever it is. God, touch every heart, every life, every need. In Jesus' name today, we bless you, Lord Jesus. We bless you, Lord Jesus.